Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. You'll stand with me here this evening. Turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 66. We went the first night this past week on a Monday night. My wife and I was part of a, a connect dinner and just kind of a time of fellowship really for those who subscribe to that dinner and be a part of it we were just blessed to be there we didn't pay to be there but somebody wasn't going to show up and so they were giving their tickets away and so we went in their stead and um, just just supposed to be a laid-back type of thing and and um, just spell a ship and they give away door prizes and things of that nature and they have a speaker that is usually somewhat comical but we had tongues and interpretation in our connect dinner and uh, they were giving around prizes and things like that and door prizes so they were validating they were validating if you were really you know people say they're a pastor we validating if they was really a pastor or not so they had this little contest one know how many what's the largest number of keys that a pastor had son i got church keys and home keys on me and so we started counting they said anybody got 10 stand if you got 10 i'm standing there yeah, there's probably 150 people in there. Stand up, you got 10. No, I'm standing there. Stand up, you got 15. I'm still standing. Stand up, you got 20. I'm still standing. Me and Matt Purdue, he was still counting his. And he said, well, how many do you got? And he said something. I don't know how many he had. He had 23. And I said, well, how many do you got? They was trying to look out. Lights were bright. But again, you guys said, I got 29. 29 keys right here. So I won a prize. Because I had 20. Felt like Bill Schwartz, brother. Felt like Bill Schwartz. Nobody knows who Bill Schwartz is, maybe. But there's a few. And then my wife won a prize. Said the, the pastor wife up there, Sister Jamie McCool, she said, I was trying to think of what a pastor's wife would only have in her purse. She said, I know ladies have a lot of commonality of what they might carry in their purses. She said, but the first lady that can run up here with a tax exemption paper of your church... Don pulled that puppy out and went running like a banshee down there. Got a prize. So we're, we're validated. We're validated. We're pastor and pastor's wife. I got 29 keys. Don't even have death, hell, or the grave on there, but I got 29 keys. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 66. I trust that you're there unless I've sidetracked you with my story. Isaiah 66, I want to start with verse number 18. This, this, this has been a crockpot sermon. This thing has been brewing in my thoughts and my mind for in excess of six months. So, uh, let's just see. Yeah, hopefully it's not overcooked. Isaiah 66 and verse 18 the Bible says, for I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come 
that I will gather all nations and tongues. They shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them. I will send those that escape of them unto the nations to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud that draw the bow to Tubal and Javan to the isles afar off that have not heard my fame, neither have seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. I'd like, like to read portions of verse number 19 from the English Standard Version of the Bible tonight portions of verse 19 that says like this and from them I will send survivors to the nations to coast far away that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory and they the survivors shall declare my glory among the nations tonight very simply I want to preach to you the survivors the survivors hallelujah let's go to the lord in prayer father i need your help this evening god every time lord i step toward lord a, a pulpit or a sacred desk whatever we desire to call it lord i am great need of the help of the holy ghost the help of your spirit god i pray god these things that have been wandering around in my soul and spirit god for months on end that Lord, have culminated, Lord, for this time, God. Let it be with reason and with purpose, God, for those that are gathered here tonight. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, we don't want to hear the voice of a man, but we want to hear the voice of heaven, God, to speak, Lord, to us here this evening. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, let your perfect will be done. Lord, I pray, God, for acceptable words, Lord, as Solomon prayed. I pray, God, for acceptable words tonight, God, to be able to convey something, Lord, to the hearts and souls of these people. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It was late afternoon when the boat's engine sputtered, stalled, and refused to restart. Gallons of water surged into the craft as it pitched on sickening six-foot swells. The five Jaggers of the Jagger family had done all they knew to do, but it wasn't quite enough. They were going under. Grim-faced George Jagger, his three sons, and his elderly father methodically tightened the buckles on their life jackets tied themselves together with a rope, slipped into a black and boiling Atlantic Ocean. George glanced at his watch as the boat finally disappeared on the horizon. It was 6.30 p.m. Very little was said. It grew very dark. First one boy, actually the youngest, and then another swallowed too much salt water, gagged, strangled on the brine as they fought to keep their heads up above the waterline. The helpless father heard his sons one by one and then his dad choke and drown. But George couldn't surrender. After eight nightmarish hours, he staggered onto the shore, still pulling the rope that bound him to the bodies 
of the other four. He had swum all night long. Survivors. Survivors. They run a gamut throughout society. They're found among every race. They're found among every country. They are among the elderly down to even a month-old infant survivors. Their stories cover a wide spectrum of events throughout our world. And for me personally, I'm very intrigued to read their stories. I'm intrigued by their death-defying actions. And I'm intrigued by their determined frames of mind that they hold in the midst of obstacles that seems just to be almost mind-blowing. We read and we hear of, and you have maybe been one or perhaps know the story of one. There are listed among survivors such as cancer survivors. We have one of them with us here tonight. There are combat survivors. There are Holocaust survivors. As a matter of fact, here recently I just stumbled across a book. I don't own it yet, but I will. And it's about a Holocaust survivor who was the first one in. And he was the last one out. And he survived. Ostowich, a survivor. And it has his little number that's embranded upon his skin. And I thought that would be great to read concerning that Holocaust survivor. There are survivors that have survived shipwreck. There are natural disaster survivors. Just to name a few. Survivors are all around us. We rub shoulders with many of them and may not even know it. CBS came out with a reality TV show called survivor in the year 2000 a group of strangers were taken to an isolated location where they provided food and fire and shelter for themselves but what they denoted to be the sole survivor as they called it the sole survivor would be the one that surfaced because all the others had been progressively voted out or voted off of the location by by their fellow contestants the united states has a contingency plan in place against catastrophic loss of its leadership during major events where the president and the vice president and other officials in the line of succession are gathered at a single location. They label a person under special protection by the government the designated survivor. And during the event, this designated survivor is given presidential security and is physically distant at an undisclosed location while all the other hierarchy is at the event. Everybody say survivors. The word survivor in these examples is really somewhat skewed because many times, from my understanding, even in my own use, we greatly misuse the word survive. We really do. We, we say we survived the work week, Right? Or we survived a test. Or somebody survived a visit with the in-law. Or somebody survived eating something that was very deplorable to their palate. You know, some type of food they had. Well, I survived that. 
We use the word survived in almost a skewed way, in a misuse. As a matter of fact, I'll tell this little story. Just this past week at conference, we stayed at the embassy suites, and they were under construction, and uh, the thermometer in our room was set on 60, and it never got below, I think, 73 degrees, maybe 71, I think Mariah said, and so it wasn't working very well, and so it was kind of warm in the room on the eighth floor, and so we dealt with that, and whenever we opened the door to our room, It smelled musty and mildewy, and I thought I'd brought the church with me. I'm serious. I thought, I can't get away from this. We opened the door. It was like opening the front doors of the church, you know, a couple weeks ago. And it was just like, and the just musty and mildewy smell. And I thought, man, I can't get away from this. And, and, you know, it just wasn't the greatest of, of circumstances, but we survived. We survived last week, and it was that first night then the Brother Erickson, while he was preaching, he talked about our missionaries, and he was talking about one of the missionaries to Africa, Brother Grimm, and how he subjected himself to poor housing in a hut with a dirt floor in Africa when he stays in Africa and how he subjected to contracting malaria often because of the mosquitoes in that area and how he had a mosquito net around his bed but even the mosquito net was not big enough to cover his bed it didn't sufficiently cover it and so we're we're talking about you know the temperature's not getting down low enough in the room and it's musty and mildewy in the room and then he starts talking about Brother Grimm We're talking about surviving a warm room and a musty smell and then there's Brother Grimm that will most likely contract malaria again because of his living conditions. And so just any complaint the rest of the week, it was kind of a little joke for me. And, and, and I took Brother Grimm's story serious, but we were eating with Dale and Rachel and, and such and we were talking about things and somebody started giving a little complaint and I said, now let's remember Brother Grimm. Amen. Because we talk about surviving stuff and surviving this or surviving that. And so we use the term survived or survivor in a much exaggerated sense. And that was never made any more apparent to me than this past school year. While I was entering Trevor's vocabulary words into an app on the iPad that I use so he can do his vocab. I entered in and I put in the definition, all the words, some 20 of them, and I'm going down to the list and I'm putting in each vocabulary word and I'm, I'm learning, you know, too, and I'm just reading as I go along. And as I was doing it, there was a word for him to learn that week. And I entered the word survivors. And they defined survivors as this. People who remain alive... After an event where others have died. People who remain alive after an event where others have died. See, the idea then of a survivor goes beyond the idea of just having made it through something horrific. Or having made it through a bloody battle or a bad day, or so on and so forth. It's realizing that the same thing that you experienced and came through took the life of somebody else. The same thing that you endured and came out on the backside of took the life of somebody else. A survivor is someone that is alive when others that went through the same had died. It's an event where others died, but the survivors are the ones that still live in to tell the story. Someone say hallelujah. 
Whenever I understand the true definition then of survivor, the sole survivor of CBS's reality TV show is the one that didn't get voted off. But a true sole survivor is one that didn't die when everyone else exposed to the same circumstance did die. Someone say amen. A designated survivor of the United States has increased protection. It's not even, that person's not even located where everybody else is at during that potentially high risk event. But a designated survivor of life, amen, happens not because of extra precaution or extra protection. It's not even based upon the fact that they were lucky or skillful or had willpower. Amen. That's not what it's all about. Surviving is not purely due to the will of man but ultimately and completely it is due to the will of God God orchestrates the survivors God ordains the sur can someone say amen Oftentimes, surviving is looked at as a perk. That's a little perk that they got. That's a little privilege they got. But all throughout Scripture, I want you to understand, I've looked at it. It is a rarity that there were survivors even throughout the Word of God. Multiple times from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We have these little phrases that are popping up. A lot of times in the Old Testament, phrases like these. There were, and you you, you got to search some other versions to get the survivor terminology. But there were no survivors is a phrase that pops up over and over again in the Old Testament. There were no survivors. Or the Bible says, we left no survivors. Or it says in other places, they were struck until no survivors were left. What that means is this. Everybody in the circumstance died. Everybody in the battle died. Everybody that went through that dilemma died. Even when we trot our way to the book of Job, even when we trot our way there and even one escapes, as the book of Job tells us over and over again, through the tragedy that came to his family and his life, even whenever one escapes, that one was like the Lone Ranger that stumbled into the presence of Job and then another into the presence of Job. And what are they doing as they come in? They are bearing the news of the destruction. They are bearing the news of the loss. They're bearing the news, Job, all of your children are dead. A great wind came from the wilderness and took them all. He's hearing that from the mouth of the survivor. He's hearing from the mouth of the survivor the heartache of his livestock the heartache of his family their words all of these survivors that came to Job these one people this one person that was left that would come they all had the same story they would tell Job I only am escaped alone to tell thee what are you going to say what that you survived no what's your message my message is this there were some Sabians over there or there were some Chaldeans over there they came and they slayed, amen, your livestock or they slayed your people. They carried some of them away. Amen. They would come, the survivor would. And the message in his mouth wasn't that I'm alive, but he would come bearing the news that fire fell from heaven. And it took some of your lambs. It devoured some of your livestock. A great wind blew and it took the house down where your kids were fellowshipping and celebrating. Someone say Amen. They survived, but their message was centered on what was taken from them rather than on being alive themselves. Someone say amen. The book of Isaiah 66. 
Isaiah has 66 chapters in it. In many ways, it mirrors the Bible with its 66 books. As Isaiah comes to the closure of the 66th chapter, he is almost like a revelation type of story. He's looking toward the future. And so Isaiah is writing the 66th chapter. His eyes are cast up on the day that is yet to come. A day that is yet in front of him. A day that is still yet to be fulfilled even from our perspective. He's looking at a day out yonder. And it is a day the Bible declares to us that God will gather all nations. And that God will gather all tongues. It is a day that the Isaiah speaks of that God wants to, desires to, and hopes to showcase his glory. And God said this is what I'm going to do through the lips of Isaiah. He said I will send a sign among them but I'm not just going to send a sign but I will also send those that escaped of them in other words I'm going to send a sign but I'm also going to send the survivors unto the nations in other words God says I'm not going to send the non-combatants I'm not going to send I'm not reserving the bruise I'm not reserving the battered for a different purpose or a different mission I'm going to send the survivors among all nations I'll send them the countries near and I'll send them the countries far I'm going to send the survivors to the people I'm going to send the survivors to the ones that have not heard of my fame I'm going to send the survivors to the ones that have not seen the glory of the Lord can someone say amen because God's purpose was this I'm going to send them in that day the survivors so that others might hear of my fame and so that others might see my glory someone say amen see the survivors that God's going to send in that day are not like the ones that came to Job they're not going to go concentrating on the loss no they're going to be focusing on the fact that they Remain alive when others die. They're going to be focusing on the fact that they experience some of the same foe, some of the same storms, some of the same difficulty as others, but they're still standing. They are still alive. The ESV said it like this, and they, the survivors, shall declare, God said, my glory among the nations. The contemporary English version says it like this. God says, by proving what I can do, I will send the survivors. Someone hear me today. The old little riddle that we used to do as kids, I, I probably did this when I was a kid. The little riddle that we used to use as kids is this, is that a plane crashed on the American-Canadian border. Where do you bury the survivors? It's a nice little riddle. Some people say, well, I don't know, maybe America. But the answer is this. You don't bury them anywhere because you don't bury survivors. Someone say amen. See, the survivors are a testament to having made it when others died. They might be bruised, yes. They might be battered, yes. They might be scarred, quite possibly. But the thing of the matter is this. They are still alive. God did not want the survivors to represent a people that had a strong will, that had the ability to make it on their own, that was lucky enough, good enough, or fell in the hands of fate just right. He wanted them to be the evidence of his glory, his majesty, his power, that when others didn't make it, the only way they came out, amen, was because it was a God thing. 
no, no, no. I hope I can preach, amen, this tonight the way that God has laid it upon my heart and mind. What I'm saying tonight is this. I'm standing in this hour, although that has not even yet taken place according to Isaiah. It's not taking place in our time. It's from that that I understand what God's purpose is for the survivors. What God's purpose is for those that made it through things that others did not survive. If I say like this, a marriage that survived when other marriages met with the same difficulty, the same struggles, and the same heartache is nothing more but a declaration that God's glory, His power, His fame, and His reputation is on the... You know what you're saying? I'm saying because right here in this house, we have some surviving marriages. We have some survivors. And you know what that means? That means they came through what others didn't make it through. That means they're standing when others failed. That means when others split up and left the church, they're still in the church and they're still together and they're still trying to live for God. God says send the survivors to all the nations. Send them in the highways. Send them in the byways. Because a survivor is a testament to my power. They weren't strong-willed enough. They didn't have the intelligence to do that. That's a God thumbprint. That's a God idea. That's a... If you believe me, God says send the survivors. Someone say I'm a survivor. I'm telling you, over the past three weeks, I feel like one. I feel like collectively we could say FAC is a survivor. I dug in the old musty closet and grabbed out these because these are survivors in my church. Health issues and not working. God is still providing. I need you to help me. Brother Alex, get over here. Single mother of two young children felt so unloved. Found God, husband, and love. Survivor. Doctor said, unable to have kids. Have two healthy boys. Come on now. Felt doomed with the fear of losing everything. Was saved with blessings from our Lord Jesus Christ. A survivor. See, some of these doctors said no. Pregnancy was too high risk. Do you understand what I'm saying? There would be, there's other people that's had the same prognosis in the church. And they left the church because of the news. But you're standing here today. Saying, I've been through that, but got pregnant, healthy pregnancy, perfect baby boy, you're a survivor. God says, you send them out. Send them out in the city. Send them out in the highways and the byways. Send them into the community so that people will know my glory, so that people will know my fame, so people will see my... Thought I was worthless and undeserving. Found my worth in him. That's a survivor. Hallelujah. Hurt sprained foot and healed after one prayer. That's a survivor. Look at this, smoker. Smoker. One year, smoke free. Sarah, it's two years now. Smoke. No, you don't understand. There's others that didn't survive that addiction. There's others that's laying in a cold tomb spiritually because of that condition. But you're here today because you're a survivor. Where it took somebody else, you're still living. You're still standing. God says, that's my glory. 
yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care what we got here. Headed down the wrong road. Drugs. New direction. Headed to Jesus. God says, don't you send me anybody that's never had no trouble. Don't you send out anybody that's never known another battle. He said, you send the people that's been through some stuff. You send the people that's been through some problems. You send people through that's been through circumstances. Because I want to send the survivors. I don't want to send the ones that are safe in their little sealed up house and never experienced anything. I want somebody that's been through the mud. I want somebody that's been through the trouble. You send the survivor. Addicted to margaritas and alcohol. Lord, deliver me and save me. That's a survivor. Because there's probably others that still on the stool with their margarita and their alcohol. But somewhere along the line, you stepped out. Oh, come on. Heartbroken, divorced, and lost. God gave me the family I always wanted. Huh? Alcohol and drugs. Flip it over for me. Seven years in church. Addicted. And you thought this is what would disqualify you. This is what you thought would disqualify you for the work of the Lord. This is what you thought would take away from your usefulness to the kingdom. But in reality, God says, no, that's what the criteria I'm looking for. I'm looking for that, and yet this still standing. You came through. You're alive. You're flourishing. That isn't disqualifying you. That's setting you up for a takedown. Out in the world, send the survivor out there. Abused, molested, raped, trusted no one, full of hate. Healed, peace of God, full of love. I believe that was Sister Charlene right there. Survivor. This has claimed some lives, but we got a testimony of a survivor right here. What took others? She's still here. What took others? She's still standing. What made others think they could have a relationship with God? She's got a relationship with God. I serve. December 03, cancer, six months to live. March 04, healed, cancer-free, miracle. Alone and depressed, turned to alcohol and gambling. Turn to Jesus, free from addiction, never alone. Sister Margaret, right? Uh-huh. How old are you, Sister Margaret? Been in this church 30 years. You know what God's saying? After year one, send her out. Year five, send her out. Year ten, send her out. Send that survivor again. Send that survivor. Why? Because there's other people in this exact same spot. They're wondering if they're going to make it. They're wondering if they're going to come through. They're wondering if they're going to be taken other under. But if they can see a survivor, someone that says, I'm still alive. After that very circumstance you're in, then God says, send them. It speaks of my glory. Everybody okay? You like reliving some of these? Miscarriage one time. Postpartum depression two times. 
beautiful children times two joy of the Lord. That's my wife, survivor. Smoked three packs of cigs a day, drank beer with God's help, quit both, 25 years sober, smoke free. That's Mike Penrod, survivor. What am I looking at? I'm telling you at the end of the age, if God is looking for survivors to send out, he's looking to send them out even now. He's looking to send them out in the city of Mount Carmel. He's looking to send them out in your homes and your families. Why? Because he wants people to see they wouldn't have been able to come through that on their own by themselves with their own ingenuity. That must be a God thing. And God gets the glory. All right, we'll, we'll do, we just got a few more. History of failed relationships. Single mom for four years until dot, dot, dot. Found healing. We did this more than once. We had to cross out the engaged. Married April first and now we got a little boy Xavier we got the husband we got the other little girl we got this one we got that one No, if you fail in relationships, you're always going to fail in relationships. If you have a problem finding the right man, you're never going to find the right man. You're going to screw your life up, and you're never going to go anywhere, and you can't do anything for God. God says, wrong. Send me that survivor. Send me that one that's still standing where others have failed, where life has been sucked from the vein of others. Send her to me. She's going to display my glory. She's going to display my power. The survivor. This is Natalia. Raped for two years by my biological father. Tried to commit suicide five times. Found healing in Christ. And help to forgive. Still. And what tells me? A survivor is someone that remains alive when they've been through the same events that killed other people. Look over at your neighbor and tell them I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. Oh, but Brother McGee, I've suffered. That's okay. I've lost health. That's okay. I've lost wealth. That's okay. I've lost friends and family. That's all right. But you've not left and you've not lost out on your life with God. You're a survivor. You bear witness that you're in the keeping, saving power of an almighty God. Your example to others in similar situations. To God be the glory. It's not that you were strong enough, smart enough, or had enough willpower. No. God says, I'm going to send the survivors to prove what I can do. That was his purpose. He said, send them that remain. That's been through this stuff. So it can so it can speak to others what I'm capable of doing. And so we find ourselves on very common ground here tonight. Because what we have here is a bunch of people through some type of variety has been through some junk. That suffered some losses. And she's a glorious church. Because she's a church that survived. 
The old song used to say, I've been through the fire. I've been through the flood. But by nothing else but the blood. If you want to know what I'm talking about, hallelujah, he brought me out. To God be the glory. You can sit down. I still got some preaching to do. That wasn't the ending of it. I'm carrying God's will for his survivors is not, listen to me well, God's will for his survivors are not to act as though they are in disobedience to their God. Let me explain. Leviticus tells the story and the reaction of survivors who willfully disobeyed God. Look how willful disobedient survivors react. Leviticus 26 and verse 36. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking and says, Upon them that are left alive, the survivors of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts and in the lands. These are survivors, but these are survivors that are willfully disobedient to God. He said, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword. And they shall fall when none pursueth. In other words, the Lord says survivors that are practicing disobedience are people that will lose courage. They're constantly looking over their shoulder, expecting, if you will, the next dilemma. They are afraid. They're walking on eggshells, pins and needles, whatever you wish to call it. Even the sound of a rustling leaf, amen, would startle them and scare them. They're running around here and they're running around there. And, and they're even falling upon the ground when nobody is pursuing them. But they feel as though they are being pursued. They are a survivor, but they're a willful, disobedient survivor. You know what, God? God doesn't want his survivors Amen. To act as though they are disobedient survivors. He doesn't want his survivors to be constantly looking over their shoulder. He doesn't want his survivors, amen, to be afraid at every noise that's coming about, thinking it's going to be the next bad thing that hits their life. God doesn't want his survivors to be speculative about whether or not the next trial is going to do them in or not. But he wants them to showcase his glory. He wants them, amen, to just proclaim that the last trial did not succeed against me and so I'm going to go on and live my life in victory and I'm going to live my life as a child of God he doesn't want to underscore amen the times that perhaps they did fall amen but he wants to highlight that whenever they did fall they did arise amen can someone hear me tonight we are survivors we don't have to be skittish we don't have to be fearful we don't have to cower in a corner somewhere God says no don't live the rest of your days in obscurity but march forward and showcase my glory. March. So it's amen. Survivors. The Bible says in Zephaniah 2 and verse number 4. I'm trying to hurry. Zephaniah 2 and 4. It says for Gaza shall be forsaken. And Ashkelon a desolation. They shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday. And Ekron shall be rooted up. Woe unto the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, the, the land of the Philistines. I will even destroy thee, that there shall be no inhabitant. The seacoast shall be dwellings and cottages. 
for the shepherds and folds for the flocks. And the coast shall be for the remnant. Everybody say remnant. Of the house of Judah. They shall feed thereupon. And the houses of Eshkelon shall they lie down in the evening. For the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. You know what he's saying? He's naming different nations, Gaza and Ashkelon and Ashdod and Ekron. A lot of them are Philistine cities and, and the, the Cherethites and, and the Canaanites. And he's talking about all these and he's, he's saying uh, that nation over there I will forsake. And, and this other one will experience desolation and, and, and I'll drive out this one and I'll root up that nation. And, and God, God of heaven is against the Cherethites and, that are in the seacoast. And he will destroy the Canaanites that's in the land of the Philistines. Amen. And the Bible says though he will in turn though make the seacoast a dwelling for shepherds and flocks. And he says I will reserve a space for the remnant or if you will the survivors of the house of Judah. You know what he told them? He said all these other nations that seem to be against you I'm going to pull down. I'm going to root up. I'm going to destroy. But those that made it through some heartache those that made it through some bad stuff that are still alive when others died he said the very place where your enemy used to dwell I'm going to cause you to lie down in a comfortable position of repose that used to be the house of your enemy and I'm going to visit you and I'm going to turn things around for you in other words what he was telling the survivors is this I've not forgotten you because you will be and are declarers of my fame and of my glory the survivors. David is on the throne. He comes forward. He asked a question. Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul? Boil it down. Are there any survivors? Of the house of Saul. Is there anybody. That's went through some of the same things. Of those that we put in the ground. But they're still alive. Are there any survivors left. Ziba. Raises his voice. In response to David. And says. There is yet. A son. But he's lame. On his feet. David, he suffered a fall. His lameness bears witness to the fact that he has suffered a fall. But David was not concerned about whether or not Mephibosheth was lame. Ziba's kind of throwing that in as a side note. Yeah, there's one left, but he's lame. Yeah, there's one left, but he's got a little handicap. But David wasn't asking about the lameness or the non-lameness of Mephibosheth. He wasn't asking, is there one left in perfect condition? He wasn't asking, is there one left with no physical flaws? He just said, is there somebody that went through some of the same things that others went through? They died, but he's still alive. He wanted to know, is there anybody that's alive? 
See, because in the same battle that took Jonathan's life, which was one of Saul's sons, the same battle that took Saul's life, the same battle that took two other lives of Saul's sons, of Abinadab and Melchishua, both sons of Saul, all of these boys and their dad, all of them were slain in the same battle. It was in that battle that whenever word got to the nurse of Mephibosheth, who was five years old, a grandson, mind you, amen, of this legacy. The Bible says that she took him in haste as his nurse and she dropped him and he became lame in both feet. Why is that so significant? Because in that custom and in that time, whenever somebody was killed that was a king and a ruler, it was common practice that they would kill all the other seed royal that was a part of that legacy, a part of that ancestry. They would kill them all typically when the king was slain because they wanted to prevent anybody else from that family taking the throne someday. But not on this day because Mephibosheth survived. Same battle, same warfare. He was dropped, but he survived. He's lame now. He's sitting at the king's table now. He has all the land of Saul, his grandfather, restored unto him right now. People are sowing seed in that land and harvesting seed from that land now. He had, been, he had survived and he had not been forgotten. Someone say amen. And the Bible says all of his days, Mephibosheth, you survivor, for that matter, seemingly almost like a, a lone survivor. All of your days you're going to eat at the king's table as one of the king's sons. And the Bible denotes, look at it now. The Bible denotes in 2 Samuel 9, 12 that Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah. I tried to look and search today. As far as we know, Micah was... Mephibosheth's only son. His only son. He is the son of a survivor. He's the son of a survivor. We don't know for sure. We can't ascertain it from Scripture. We don't know if this son Micah was born to Mephibosheth before he was relocated to Jerusalem with David or after his relocation to Jerusalem with David. I can glean from scripture. I tend to believe that the only son of Mephibosheth was born after his relocation as a survivor that was not forgotten but remembered to abide at the table of David. Eating there has his land restored and all those things because the, 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 the dictionaries and such tell me, Bishop, that Micah's name means this. Most people will put question marks on these next two phrases. But I put an exclamation point upon it. His name meant, who is like Jehovah? Who is like God? Here's the survivor Mephibosheth. Forgotten somewhere out in the country of Lodabar. Years have passed. But he remained alive. When others in his family died by the same battle. 
He's sitting at the king's table, and the offspring of a survivor, his name is proclaiming, Who's like God? Who's like Jehovah? Because God says the survivors always bring glory to the Lord. So that the offspring of a survivor, every time they say, there's Mike over there, it's who's like God? Who's, who's like God? The offspring of the survivor always brings glory to the one that helped them survive. The one that brought them through the trial. The one that took them over the turbulent river. The one that brought them through the persecution and the trial. We have people sitting here today. You shouldn't be sitting here. You should be among the masses that we cannot count or number that were lost through the same circumstance that you went through. But that's not you. You are here today. You didn't have self-will you didn't have enough mind power but the glory of the Lord and the righteousness of God has enabled you and you followed the leading the direction of the Lord and you stand where you stand today where others have failed because of God you are the survivors you'll stand with me here tonight you're the survivors He's a lame survivor. Yes. True. But he's no less alive than the king himself. Brother Zach, in a spiritual sense, if we could pull that, pull back the, the road up shirt on your sleeve a little further in a spiritual way, we might be able to see some scars and scabs of what you've been through. But you're alive nonetheless. Similar scabs and scars on others. It's nothing but a corpse. But you're a survivor. The Bible says that in the days of the last days, there'll be a great falling away first. They'll sit on the same church pew that you sit on. They will have endured some of the same battles that the whole church battles that you battle. But you know what? Some are going to be and some are not going to be. And it all comes down who's going to survive and who's not. But the survivors do nothing speaking of themselves. They speak of the glory of their God. I am what I am. I am where I am today because of God. My womb couldn't be fruitful enough to birth some of these children that are written on these cardboards. Because infertility said no. But God said no. Yeah. Survivors. Survivors. People are in clinics today. It's not just folks. It's not just on the real literal sense, but on the spiritual sense. There's some things that people went through. There's things that people went through this just this past year that you are still here. There's others that's backslid over your first trial. There's others that threw in the towel after losing a job. Well, that's the kind of God he is, and bless God, blah, blah. But you're still here today. You're still coming in with your hand clap. That was quick. Still coming in with your hand clap, your raised hand. Why? Because you've been made a survivor. Where others failed, where others slipped off the path and died, you remain 
with your life you're proclaiming who's like God who's like Jehovah God says in the last days I'm going to send the survivors to every nation every creed every tongue those that are on islands distant that have not heard of my fame and have not seen my glory the best way that I know to display it to them is not even me stepping down and going myself but sending somebody that's experienced it I'm sending the survivors I'm sending the survivors so what are you saying he's saying sister Sheila go into the community of Mount Carmel he's saying Josh and Sarah Johnson rub shoulders with those that are having marital problems. He's saying those that had molestation as a child, find somebody else with a similar story and let them know that you're in the church and that you're still standing. And when you do, they're going to wag their head and say, how can this be? And you'll say, it's because of God it's only, it's only because of me it's only because of God we bow our heads all across the sanctuary today send the survivors God says I want to prove what I can do he says so I'm going to send the survivors he said, because there's people that's not yet witnessed my fame. There's people that's not yet seen my glory. And the best display of my fame and in my glory is based upon those that are living. That's been through some junk that others have been through. But they didn't survive, but these did. That's my hand upon them. That's my favor with them. That's because they have submitted themselves unto me. And I walked through them through the darkest valleys that they met. The heaviness of the oppression and the heat of the persecution that came up on their life that caused others to buckle underneath. He said, I was there. He'll be a testament to my glory. He'll be a testament to their God. These altars are open tonight. He's not Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.